Are we recording? Yeah, I always start early now after... You fucked up? Yeah. I like the box. Thank you. We're very pro here with our... This level. No, it's a it's a good level thing, and, and I'm assuming this is some sort of acoustic box material. Right? Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it helps. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, we're pros. <laughs> we're pros. Hi, this is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the '90s country music podcast. And today, our guest is Danny Johnson, who plays in Jack the Radio, also currently playing in New Reveille, and also a high school teacher, as I am. So we are co-workers in a sense, although we don't work at the same school. On a grand scale, yes. On a grand county-wide scale. Touching the youth. um, Nope. Nope, that's not how you say that. That's getting edited the fuck out. Obviously, Rachel does not work in a school because you literally cannot say that. Hard pass. Have you never seen School of Rock? This is exactly what we're not doing. Yeah. We have to literally get trained to not say that. That's one of my husband's favorite things. He was a school teacher for like five years, and so that's one of his favorite jokes to make was that he was touching the youth. (laughs) Hope the statute of limitations says run out. Jesus. <laughs> well, great start. We're off the really, really just into the deep end off the bat. <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Danny's lawyer just texted him and advised that he fail ASAP. I'm sure people could find crazier reasons to bail on this podcast. Than being subpoenaed at some point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what you put on the internet? You know, we had the internet. Oh, cool. <laughs> That was a great icebreaker. Yeah. So, Danny. Before you were touching the youth. Nope. (laughs) Well, so I have one question that has nothing to do with 90s country music. I'm always interested in you balancing the rock and roll life with the teacher life because they seem kind of like not, I don't know. Compatible? There's there's a lot of teachers in the area that play music. Or vice versa, a lot of the musicians I've found more and more where you run into people and you don't know what they do. But yeah, I think there's quite a few teachers. Yeah, Steph Stewart was teaching up until, or was about to stop teaching. Or, That's you know, Steph from Blue Cactus. Right, right. Yeah, yeah uh, Luis Rodriguez from... Um, Six String. Six String and half the other bands that play around now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luis is playing with a lot of people and he teaches... I think I'm one of the few that doesn't teach music. Music, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think there's a lot that teach music. Uh-huh. Which that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, than... yeah. I can see the, the crossover there. Yeah. I mean, I obviously go to a lot of shows and then have to wake up early. Yeah, we see each other. And right? it sucks. Um, <laughs> but naps are great. That's yeah. the beauty is being able to, you know, you end early, which actually works well for music, too, because a lot of times you got to be at load in at 3.30. Right. And I can do that right. easily without a problem. Because it's... Yeah, right. naps... Seeing kids at shows is fun. Yeah, I love to hear your stories about your students coming up to you after shows. Yeah, there's only been a handful that were a lot of students. When we, when Jack the Radio opened for Cold War Kids a few years back, that was one that the whole front row was students yelling, Mr. Johnson! <laughs> so that was fun. So, um, Silhouette in their face? Is that yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. Or near faces. Yeah. You know, yeah. face adjacent. All right. And then the, we played years back for... Jed Gant at the benefit for mm-hmm. Oliver. Oh yeah, um, with the Avits, and that was one that we had to load in at noon. So I took a half day, and uh, 
noticed the next day that obviously lots of my students were absent because as I was loading in around one, mm-hmm. people were lined up around the block to get into that show. To and the Avis show at yeah, Kings. At yeah. Kings. Yeah. And as I was loading in my gear, I'm seeing you're in my third period, fourth period, fourth period. And I, I, they were like, hey, I just yeah. told them, we'll address this tomorrow. I don't, I'm not ready to do it right now. I have things to do, but we're going we're to gonna dis- have a We're going to discuss this, this, trust me. <laughs> the ones that are always fun are when the parents into the band. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of parents that were into Jack the Radio. So the kids would show up with them at an event at Bruce uh-huh. or something like that. And the kid was mortified <laughs> that their mom and dad were coming like, by and going, hey, yeah, they, were just, oh, they didn't want so to talk funny. about it. That's more fun than the kids and enjoying it yeah so the question that we always ask our guests is to give us kind of like your backstory of your experience with 90s country or like how you came to it is it something that you even like are we torturing you by making you talk about this today no so i was always a rock kid but my tie into country was that my dad especially but my both my parents listened to a lot of folk so like in addition to listening to nirvana and you know the rock of the day i was listening to jim croce john denver John Denver was one of my first major concerts I ever went to. Oh, fun. Gordon Lightfoot. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. Canadian folk. So that was that was always country adjacent. Mm-hmm. So I, got, I had the idea. And the high school I went to in North Carolina was out in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I graduated high school in 99, and that was what the folks at school listened to. Yeah. was 90s country. So but I, you were I grew too up cool that. for that? No, I just, like, I was, <laughs> I, I, in high school I was dressed kind of like I am now, with like skinny black jeans and mm-hmm. a t-shirt, but I definitely didn't dislike some of it. I just, I would hear, like, Dwight Yoakam right. and go, oh, okay, all right, I get it. Like, I understand <laughs> that. There was, some, I, I had told Spencer, I was had looked at some Garth Brooks songs because the band was great. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, you know, Steve Warner was writing on it and the songs were really solid. So, yeah, I always had an appreciation for what, what was going on. Even if you weren't, like, actively Yeah, and, and some of it was just, like, obviously some of it gets pretty cornball yeah. as you move farther and farther out. Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely, like... You could see great songs in there mm-hmm. um, and great musicians in there. So Yeah, so you mentioned Dwight. That's the song that you picked today. Yeah. And we've talked about him on a previous episode of actually how he does not fit within the rest of this era of country that we've talked about otherwise. Because he's like Hollywood and the Bakersfield sound and all of that. So, I mean, was that something that you like? notice that difference whenever you were listening or is that something that he, I, I mean, mean kind of like me I've come to that realization later yeah he definitely I mean he definitely stood out to me I was talking to you know my wife Meg about it when I was listening to modern or more to 90s country yeah. uh, coming up to this and we were talking about the fact that you know Dwight Yoakam stuff really reads more like Roy Orbison mm-hmm. or uh, growing up I love the Traveling Wilburys mm-hmm. you know like I was way into them and he fell right into that right, for right. me it was right. just definitely had the country vibe and I guess most of it I mean his singles were popular on the same same radio stations that mm-hmm. were playing Alan Jackson and stuff like yeah. that. So I think it appeals to the same crew. But yeah, his he's got a different kind of sheen. Mm-hmm. Sheen like the leather pants that he's wearing in the music video. For, Highly polished for the pants. thousand miles yeah. from nowhere that you chose. <laughs> <laughs> so shiny. He's got the hat. He's got a hat, a guitar, and some skinny ass pants. Some killer sideburns. They're snug. Yeah. They're yeah. snug. Snug trousers. <laughs> some uh, some taut slacks. <laughs> but two's enough. <laughs> two's enough. Do you want to listen to a little bit of the song? Sure. All right. I got heartaches in my pocket. 
just want to pause because I'm on Spotify right now, and you know how it tells you your friend oh, activity. Yeah. BJ Barham is listening to Good Fight right now. <laughs> you know what that means. He forgot the lyrics. Yeah, I mean, it, means, it means they put in the set list tonight. <laughs> and he was like, well, shit. <laughs> Somebody tweet at him, play Good Fight. He's like, okay. <laughs> I really want to know if that's what's happening. Uh, like, if someone just tweeted him. him right now. <laughs> it must have been a good fight. I'll just send him the lyrics. <laughs> Should we just sing it and like... <laughs> yes, do it as a voice text and send it to him. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we just got really distracted. Well, you can talk about the music video a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So, if you've seen the music video with the dual screen... Solid split screen action. I call it the Viewmaster mm-hmm. effect. The Wikipedia article is very accurate in saying there's two frames showing mostly different views of the Twain and Yoakum because a couple times it's literally the same thing. Solid, solid, side-by-side Dwight action. And there's a cameo from a musician named Kelly Willis, North Carolinian, or at least she lived in North Carolina for a while. Her middle school years, apparently, in North Carolina. I don't know a ton about her, but I think that was maybe her trying to raise her profile a little bit, getting in a video with Dwight. Mm-hmm. She was in the desert. She right. Was, she was in a river. Getting left a thousand miles from nowhere. And I was concerned about her. I was, yeah. I was deeply concerned about her. I mean, she's so far <laughs> from nowhere. Well, I, she has songs, according to Wikipedia, things like Looking for Someone Like You. So Maybe you know, that's I mean, what she was looking for, right. someone river. like you in the river. Whatever way the wind blows, you know, took her out yeah. there to the desert. Fading Fast is probably referencing the train. I'm assuming all of her songs were written about, about this, this experience. Yeah. That just means that Search and Rescue was able to find her out there and bring her back That's a good uh, to civilization. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the song was released in 1993, and that was part of his album This Time. That's the same one that has really most of his 90s hits, like Ain't That Lonely Yet and Fast As You. So, Danny, what led you to this particular song? Uh, well, like I said, Dwight was, to, to me, the good version of, you know, someone that, that could cross over from country and appeal mm-hmm. to someone who, you know, was kind of born and bred in rock. Mm-hmm. I even fell back into him a couple of years ago. He had put out an album, Three Pairs, that was co-produced, or I know Beck Hansen did some work on it. And it was another one that, you know, I, I remembered how good Dwight Yoakam was because this album popped up a few years back but yeah the uh, album also unfortunately includes a collaboration with Kid Rock yeah I was about to say that's the one you're forgetting about the Kid Rock one was that's probably what led you to that album well I mean of course that <laughs> right. uh, I didn't know there was a Kid Rock collaboration yeah. on there well I just pulled up Wikipedia and that's what it says I did not know that um, I don't know which song oh Robert Ritchie oh yeah that's his I name take hold of my hand that's the first song I'm gonna go ahead and say it. That, that, that's a great song and Kid Rock is not on the song Oh, okay. So, or just a least, collaboration. Yeah, he's just you his know, great songwriting is on there. Great, great songwriting. songwriting. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably. Well, what, he's that's also listed. Good. I mean, it's Robert Ritchie, so maybe he's just like a different person when he's Robert Ritchie. <laughs> he takes off the hat. Yeah, and he he's no longer Kid Rock. He's he's, he's just a he's, a he's Mr. Rock. At that point, he's Mr. a he's a true philosopher. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> an academic I was trying to remember some Kid Rock lyrics but honestly I'm just remembering the Josie yeah. rap <laughs> call me Josie got more game than Coleco it's yeah. like my favorite you don't remember the one I'm a scholar among men <laughs> that was 
Yeah, no, uh, I just always thought Dwight was pretty cool. He had a biscuit company. I did not know that. You didn't know about his biscuit I don't company? Think we talked about that. Tell yeah. me more about this. So I found out about this because there used to be a show on with John Favreau called Dinner for Five. It would be John Favreau and four other people. Dwight Yoakam was on an episode of that. They just sat at dinner and you know I talked swear about we talked whatever. About this, they were par baked biscuits. So they were halfway pre-baked, mm, and then they, that ain't right. they put them in a pan, and then they shipped them to you, mm-hmm. and, and you cooked, and the you cooked the them the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And apparently the shipping on them was more than the cost of yeah, I would think so. the actual biscuits. Biscuits are not very expensive ingredients-wise. Not, no, it's so, not a commodity. Yeah. Right. Interesting business model, Dwight. I think you had to really be into Dwight Yoga. To need I'm those. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So I just went to their website. Is it still up and running? Well it says it says so and it says that you can you can search for a place where it's offered, but they refer to the Takeums Take. macaroni <laughs> mouth poppers. Gross. Which I mean that sounds worse than me saying that you were touching the youth. <laughs> no, still doesn't. Still no, okay. No, just, uh, well, I mean it's no pay well, the bell so, sweet potato pie, which is in Walmart's nationwide. The, I believe um, the kind of catchphrase that goes with Bakersfield biscuits is you just heat them and eat them. That was number seven of <laughs> multiple ones that you know something about Dwight's buns. <laughs> yes, was in there. That was that was an early early cut. Well, there had to be so many. Uh, I want to be at the pitch meeting for the. I want to know the market, like, because when I think about Bakersfield, California, I definitely think biscuits. You know, not, they're, they're more just than anything else. For the alliteration, bro. I know, but what does Dwight Yoakam know about biscuits that Bojangles doesn't know already? That's a great question. Valid question. I mean, the art design possibly could be outstanding. I'm just, I'm looking, <laughs> Actually, no, I'm looking the website. at the other things. Yeah, that art they design sold. is trash. No, yeah, the art, the art design is awful. <laughs> Other products are the Chicken Lickens Buffalo Bites, Boom Boom Shrimp, Chicken Lickin' Chicken Fries, Gross. and Lanky Links, which it looks like some sausage product. So on his website, you can buy Bakersfield Biscuit Koozies if you want to support Dwight in every way you can, but don't actually want to have biscuits shipped, then you can just get a koozie or a trucker hat. Can I ask a clarification on those koozies? Yes, you can. Are they biscuit koozies? Yeah, Dwight Yoakam's Bakersfield biscuit koozie. Oh, no, no, no. Not to, uh, not to eat a biscuit without burning your hand, that's if that's right, what you're I saying. Wondering. I was into it if they I, were biscuit yeah, koozies. Yeah, because I ate a biscuit this morning that was wrapped in tinfoil, and it was a little hot on my hands. Hmm. Yeah, or wusses, apparently. I've I think, eaten many a biscuit and been just fine. I'm just throwing out we might should pause this and check out some patent applications. <laughs> 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 Are you calling your lawyer again now? Late, yeah, well, I mean, he's already on his way. Yeah, we'll just we'll just edit this bit and send directly a Shark Tank. While, while you're here, while you're here, can you uh, file this patent for us? Yeah, a little IP law. So back to the song. <laughs> I wasn't ever like huge Dwight Yoakam fan growing up, but I think his songs hold up a lot better than a lot of the stuff from the era for reasons other than just nostalgia. It's, yeah, well, and I think that. Especially, like, his lyrics and stuff just feel a little bit more grown up. You know, like, we talked about Tim McGraw singing about a barbecue stain on his white t-shirt. Hey, that happens at any age. (laughs) But, I mean... But do you write a song about it? But do you write a song about it? So, like, Dwight Yoakam would never write a song about it. (laughs) (laughs) What's the publishing company telling you to do? Valid, valid. But, no, I think that Dwight's lyrics just sound a little bit more grown up. 
And I think that that reflects on how he's different from other... Short stories versus tweets. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you, you know what people tweet about? Barbecue, Barbecue stains. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever said time for a poem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we did talk about, like, she thinks my tractor sex is like, yeah, that's probably on a t-shirt, and then right. just became a song. Yeah. yeah exactly. Because why not? Yeah, Dwight's lyrics, they're classic pop. To me, they hold up against stuff that came, you know, they're Motown. They're mm-hmm. they're that standard Stax, you know, Bakersfield-style writing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's stuff that would have fit in 1950 or 1960 just as well. Or 2019. Or 2019. Well... Speaking of 2019... Oh, God. No, I don't really have a transition. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to have a good transition. <laughs> no, I absolutely don't. Well, hey, hey, 2019. You know what sucks in 2019? Politics. I was kind of thinking about that. Go. And I was yeah. like, oh, no, no, no. So, That's yeah. your transition. Spencer. I haven't been watching the news. Is there, I thought everything's okay. Yeah, right? everything's fine. Everything's normal. Nothing, no big deals at all. Oh, I should probably... Well, and also... <laughs> As a humanities teacher, Danny doesn't know what the fuck is happening in this country right now. Wait a second, let me pull up CNN. Oh my god, are you serious? Has anyone been on Twitter lately? Like, what's what's going on there? No one told me. Why did no one tell me what was happening? Can you imagine what a wonderful life you must lead if you have no idea what's going on in the world? I don't know. I kind of want to be like that. I feel like it's getting raised higher and higher. Like, you're going to find out at some point. Yeah, that's true. So the song we're talking about is, to our podcast. is Politics, Religion, and Her by Sammy Tripod Kershaw. <laughs> You're laughing. I hope you understood that reference. Did you? I did not. What? So when we when we spoke with Aaron Greenwald, uh, apparently Sammy Kershaw's nickname was Tripod. Not because he's a it, I, it wasn't really a double yeah. wide trailer as much as a double long <laughs> that trailer. Was, that, was my, that was my guess. I assumed it had to do something with the cake stand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so... Slamming Sammy, the tripod, however you want to go. <laughs> this is a nice ballad from his 96 album by the same name. Pretty deep cut, number 28 was his peak. Yeah, I had never heard of this until you texted it. I, it came up a while back on just like an autoplay playlist with some other stuff I was listening to. Because your Spotify is all screwed up and just 90s country music. Uh, My Google Play, I'll just put on a song and then let it autoplay. I I never give it the whole full algorithm Mm -hmm. power. So I was thinking about more this week, getting ready to talk about it. And it's a little bit interesting to me because growing up in rural North Carolina... Like, I know kind of the stereotype is that you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion. And for him, and this song is saying, and I won't talk about her because it hurts too much. But the assumption in a lot of small town North Carolina, at least when I was growing up, and I would have been still in elementary, middle school when this song came out, was you can kind of talk about those two things a lot because you're assuming that everyone else has the same point of view, at least where I grew up. Mm-hmm. I think they weren't necessarily off limits topics because. You know, you can talk about religion because everyone's going to be Christian Baptist. Protestant. Baptist, you know? yeah. And <laughs> so, you know, I don't think the environment was very conducive to having a lot of questions about religion. But I think just discussing like, you know, the church potluck or whatever, like that was. Well, you're in the church potluck, so you guys are all right. on the same page. <laughs> right. And if you're well, talking about. But I guess my, because I have heard the same thing. You're not supposed to talk about religion or politics, but the way that it was always framed for me was you don't talk about that stuff with strangers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like it's cool for you to talk about that type of stuff at the church potluck because you know what everybody's going to say, but that's not something that you bring up in like casual conversation. That's not first date conversation. <laughs> Dinner table. All right, well, I was going on first date since I was 11, so well, you know. Well, I mean, was this 
We've no, already established the first date. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, at least based on context, he wasn't on a first date. But I you mean, don't want to talk about your ex on the first date. I mean, this is also just good dating rules. You don't talk about politics, religion, or are her. you? Are you? I don't think this was a date. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he says, "Hey, old buddy, how you been?" No, I know how, that. How much has changed here on my end? It's I'm like just, I'm talking about unless in maybe general, that's why he disagreed with him on. I'm this. talking about in general. <laughs> these are not conversations that you have, and a first date is a good example of when you would never talk about these three things. I'm just countering your argument that you can't. Talk I think about these in three 2019, things. at least the politics thing. Maybe just bring that up lead off with that because I could rule some people out I would say like I thought when I listened to it when you sent it out the first thing I thought was and again it's an assumption but I was like is there really a wide diversity of opinion with him and his buddy on you know someone brings up religion and they're like well if you remember Taoism told us (laughs) (laughs) I I just didn't see that happening as a you know bar conversation in uh, Monroe, North Carolina where (laughs) hypothetically this was happening. It's funny because now especially in kind of the old country world Mm -hmm. where you've got like you know Jason Isbell, Lee Baines, all those folks like politics can be a huge part of like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So it's become even in like that Aaron Lewis talks about like don't tread on me and he's got you know two flags in his yard and one's like the rebel flag and all that shit like it's definitely being political now Mm -hmm. his assumption probably is most people that listen to the song are going to be all about that right but it's called country boy of course it is yeah (laughs) so that was a song I heard for the first time at a baseball game oh you know keeping tabs with the modern country world but I think it's an interesting song I like it melodically I love the First line of the chorus when it's talking about baseball. That's what I thought of whenever I heard this song. And I was like, oh, this is our podcast. Because Spencer's mom <laughs> yells at us if we talk about politics. Oh, yeah. Mom's um, already fast-forwarded through this. But oh. we do talk a lot about baseball on this podcast. NASCAR? And we have talked about NASCAR. All right. So, and this, I'm glad you brought that up. I was yes. waiting until we listened to this to confirm. But it sounds to me like he's saying, let's talk about NASCARs. It does. Plural. It yes. does. Yeah. Which, no one says that, Sammy Kershaw. I don't know what's going on. He's from Louisiana, if I remember right. And I don't know if that was a big part of Louisiana culture, but no one says, let's talk about NASCARs. Plural. It's an acronym, right? Right. And for, like, the association or league or whatever you want to call it. But you would still say, let's talk about NASCAR. Right. A National yes. Association for Stock Car Auto Racings. Right. <laughs> but, like, and there's plenty of people that say things like ATM machine, which, you know, the acronym, automatic teller machine machine. But, like, that happens. But, like, you hear other people say that. I've never heard anyone say that. Let's talk about NASCARs. Do you want to listen to the song? Then? Yeah, sure. sure. Okay. Let's talk about baseball. Talk a little small talk. There's got to be a good joke. Let's talk about NASCARs Oh, Hollywood movie stars Let's talk about anything Anything in this world But politics, religion, her Danny, what were you saying about the melody? That chorus melody is every down-tempo country song chorus melody. Every song that Spencer loves. That's great. You hear that melody (laughs) once, just put some different words to it. It's familiar. Talk about baseball. I feel like it works. Yeah, I don't... I'm I'm not a music theory guy enough to, like, 
sit down and draw it out, but right. I guarantee you could overlay that. With 10 other songs. But yeah. Yeah. And the songwriters for this, Byron Hill and Tony Martin, have done a lot of other country songs, believe it or not. Tony Martin, a little bit less, but he did Third Rock from the Sun from our boy Joe Diffie. Mm-hmm. Just to see you smile, Tim McGraw, Keith oh, Urban, yeah. and Sarah I can, Evans. I can hear the similarities between this and Just to See You Smile. Yeah. And then Byron Hill has done a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from Winston-Salem, so he should know it's not NASCARs. Maybe he couldn't you know, convince Maybe Sammy. Didn't <laughs> Sammy. But he's written a song Ray Charles has done, George Jones, which High Tech Redneck by George Jones in 94. I don't know that song, but that was probably the first thing I want to listen to after this because I want to know what in 1994 a high-tech redneck would be like. 1994, they would have... A um, pager? No, 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 no. Their AIM account would be... Like 94 was early for that, wasn't it? Redneck. I don't know. It would just be rednecks. They'd be the first person on AOL. Exactly. <laughs> That's why they're high tech. They're the first person on AIM. Are you looking up when AIM became? Uh, no, no. I was looking up the lyrics to this. AIM came out in 1997. What was your AIM name? It was a reference to a Weezer song. Sorry, that was a weird look. <laughs> I, I was obsessed yeah. with Weezer. As well, you should be. So uh, the song we all Scorcho, yeah. uh-huh. the redhead said, you shred the cello. Uh-huh. And being redhead, I was you, but the letter U, because it wouldn't fit. Of course. Or maybe someone already had, I can't remember. You, letter U, shred the cello. That's my favorite Weezer song. Two or three years ago, I went with Allison Hussey. They toured a Panic at the Disco. Oh, interesting. And Weezer ended on El Scorcho. And I might have lost my shit. I might have felt like I was in high school for <laughs> half a second whenever that came on. Speaking of Panic of the Disco Guy, have y'all listened to that new Taylor Swift song with him on there? I no. have. Me? Yes. Yeah. What do you think about? I need to listen to that song a few more times because I've only probably listened to it all the way through twice. It's definitely not my favorite Taylor situation. <laughs> she makes references back to stuff that seems really childish that it's kind of like okay T I thought we were over this Legos and stuff no like I was crazy when I called you on the phone I think it's like some lyric psycho on the phone or something psycho on the phone the build up to that release was fucking nuts yeah my friend Madeline, who listens to this show, hey Madeline, is like a huge Taylor Swift fan and I had to like Take a break. <laughs> so I, I don't because she like she and all the Taylor Swift fans were like so excited and and I mean marketing genius the way that she was like teasing stuff it was like this stuff where like all of the fans were like trying to read in and like oh yeah they're decoding all these like, decoding hints. all this it, which is crazy it speaks so much to like the connection that she has with her yeah. fans which I don't think that many other artists have that level of connectedness with their fans but then I guess I was expecting that it would be like a full album drop that's exactly what I thought so I used the Neon Boots Twitter account to post stuff or I like, just check on things and so I see all of her tweets there was a lot of stuff going on the hints and all that and so I was like talking to someone at school and I was like oh you know like Taylor Swift's about to put out a new album and they're like what are you talking about I was like it's gotta be what's going on there's all this shit like <laughs> Like, yeah. they're analyzing and decoding and all that. And well, so I think was, a lot of people thought that it was going to be a new album. And I guess that's another thing that was kind of disappointing, that it was just a single. And the single, I don't really think, like, musically is not my favorite. 
the one interesting thing about the music video and the messaging and the lyrics, and I can't believe that we're like overanalyzing Taylor Swift this much right now. There's very much this air of like, this is a new Taylor because on her last, and again, thank you, Madeline, for letting me know all of this. Um, on her last, her last like tour and stuff with Reputation, it was very much like a snake and she's bitter and angry. And then the snake at the beginning of the video explodes and becomes butterflies. And like everything is about pastels and shit. Well, speaking of an artist, we thought Dwight was an artist. I know. Like, like, well, wait, is she like turning really into in, Casey Musgraves with like the butterfly thing? The, okay. She wishes. So... Bless Taylor Swift's heart. So uh, <laughs> recently, I think it was the Billboard performances or the Billboard top something, and she performed and she had like a marching band. And a lot of people are like, why the fuck are you trying to mm-hmm. be Beyonce at Coachella? Because, of course, Beyonce's right. Coachella thing just recently right. came out too. And so a lot of, on the internet, there was a lot of hate towards Taylor. People on the internet are hating? Weird. But what? I do feel like it's probably unlikely that she has a war room in her apartment where she's plotting out like right. what tweet's gonna drop she's got pins with the red lines drawn <laughs> from different things and there's gotta be an agency that sits down that oh yeah, 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 yeah. like alright yeah. this is how we're doing this yeah. and we're gonna roll it out but, but also to like acknowledge the relationship that she has with her fans I mean there are very few other artists that are her level of popularity that are still so connected on a personal directly level directly yeah. with their fans which I think that would be so scary I would think if I was in her shoes to just like allow yourself yeah. to be out like that now, um, I do think the single thing is we're probably just going to keep seeing more and more and more of that I was listening the other day to an interview with Nora Jones and mm-hmm. she was saying that she's not sure that she's going to do records anymore because yeah. she said that no one people aren't really working that way anymore yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we all grew up on records yeah. but I mean you know Spencer and I both teach and I, my students don't listen to albums no. at all um, yeah. as a musician it's something that we even think about that you know I, I don't know if that's uh, well, well I mean what's is country music I feel like country music you're still seeing people country music is the albums like right. I looked it up somewhat recently so I'm sure I'm going to misquote or whatever but I think in terms of genre album sales, they still kind of dominate, so or they do kind of dominate. Full album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, probably yeah. still selling CDs, right? I would yeah, like the- see, and I think that is so interesting because the flip side of that is, you know, instead of full albums, you see like Beyonce's Lemonade, which is like a full fucking project, right? right yeah. Where it's not just the music; it's also this artistic booklet, and it's. It's a concept. Um, it's a concept yeah. thing. And so I think that that's kind of an interesting contrast between people that will go all in on these like big concept type things, but have I mean, maybe zero that, interest in Maybe that's albums. what you have to do now. Yeah. Is if, all right. So if I'm going to put out 14 songs, I really need to convince you why you should take the time to listen yeah. to an entire 14 song why, why you should watch the entire like movie that has the songs back right, in right. It, and then that's my frustrating old guy moment when I talk to you know kids these kids days, these days. Uh, about about music is they'll mention something that they like which is always Imagine Dragons uh, <laughs> but inevitably <laughs> most Imagine of the time Dragons. if I hear a song that I don't really like it's, that, Imagine, it's Imagine Dragons, Dragons. <laughs> But when I'll, when I'll ask the students, I'll say, you know, they'll mention some, I heard this, you know, yeah. and I'll say, oh, you should go check this out. I was telling a kid to check out Radiohead Kid A, and they said, what song? And right, right. I, like, my heart broke. Yeah. And I was like, no, but you have to go, like, check out the record. Yeah. They, they were like, no, just tell me the song. 
I mean, the discovery of music now, though, is so different. Like, I still lean Absolutely. on the album, mm-hmm. but I thought about, I had this discussion with a student a couple of years ago, like, they literally have access to just about every song that's ever been put yeah. out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's stuff that's not, like, Garth isn't streaming on everything, yeah. you know, some stuff like that. But, like, for the most part, they're like, oh, I heard of this band called The Beatles. I can listen to everything. But then they might listen to, like, early Beatles and not know, like, late Beatles sound way different. Whereas, even while just downloading stuff, when I had that convenient relatively speaking access it's like cool let me wait an hour to get this one song and i'll listen to it you know 12 times while i wait for the next one to download so you kind of like we're forced into oh we're we're back in 1994 of being a high-tech redneck right right exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. as long as you assume (laughs) you download the right the right one and even just idea that you know these kids with their computer like now a computer suggests if you like this yeah check this out which is wild that's amazing that that exists but that used to have to be, you know, your friend Dave. Yeah. Who would be like, oh, you yeah, like the that? record store. Yeah. Your yeah, older so, yeah, your, relative. Someone else is, that saw that you like this yeah. and suggested. And now these algorithms, and I use them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I listen to something and it's like, yeah. if you like this, you'll listen to yeah. Or like now, I use Spotify a lot to like make our playlists mm-hmm. and stuff for the podcast. And we were talking about how our algorithms are just like totally fucked up. I'm shocked that you guys haven't made a new account. I'm, to run for I'm, your... I'm thinking about doing that because, like, you know, Spotify gives you, like, suggested playlists, and my recommended... Yeah, you wrecked it. It's... Well, so it's like, I have... It's made it better, is what you... Sure. Yes. It's, yeah. it's flawless now. Yeah. It's flawless now. Like, half of my recommended listens are 90s country. Will music. it allow you to listen to anything that's not 90s country is the question. <laughs> it's about to get to the point if where you it's put not in a, letting If me. you put in a Spoon song, does it say, are you sure? I still listen listen to like I've been listening to a lot of Lizzo lately with Mm. her new album that recently came out so uh, yeah I'm really messing up my Spotify right now there's someone on Spotify that's super confused yeah Um, so Sammy (laughs) that was a great tangent that we just went on yeah I was uh, halfway through like thinking of the songs that this guy uh, Byron co-wrote he is really into I think this redneck lifestyle he wrote lifestyles of not so rich and famous that mm-hmm. tracy bird recorded um he also did born country by alabama apparently according to wikipedia over 700 country and pop artists have recorded wow. his song which wow. is insane to think about i wanted to point out because i am on sammy kershaw's wikipedia page right now please bring up his politics yes thank you so i was I, we i forgot that tried to enter politics running as a republican candidate for lieutenant governor of louisiana in 2007 and in 2010, but he lost. He was third in 2010. He was third mm-hmm. in 2010. And so he didn't take his own advice of not talking about politics. But that was 2007. Yeah, he was a different man, maybe. Okay. 11 years later, mm. roughly. He endorsed someone for Secretary of State in Louisiana that won. So maybe he's now the linchpin endorsement that you need. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to get Sammy you. Get that, you got to get that Sammy You got to get Sammy that Kershaw. Sammy vote. Well, very good. Let's talk about my pick, Terry Clark's Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me. Mm-hmm. I want to highlight because Danny always makes fun of me about this, and he did earlier today when he came in. I consistently wear double denim, chambray, <laughs> and jeans, and she's rocking some double denim in the music video for this. So she's your fashion icon? She's my fashion icon, okay. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of denim. It's, all I'm saying. it's, a, it's lot a lot of denim. It's a lot of denim. But I mean, if it works, it works. It works for me. It works for Terry. It works for Canadians. Yeah, double denim. Well, for she's life. Canadian, right? She is Canadian. Yeah. yeah. 
which is why she pulls it off so well. Right. I was having this conversation with my husband earlier about how many Canadian country singers there are, and we made the same point that we made during our Shania episode of it's more about like the rural life than the southern country life. Yeah. Canada's... Mostly rural, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, if you've seen a map ever, probably yeah. moose, <laughs> moose. A lot, of, a lot of area up there that's not around <laughs> Toronto. It's where Trudeau is, and then everything else. Yeah. I don't know if she's actually French Canadian. She's from Montreal. So she was born in Montreal, but she grew up in Alberta. Oh, okay. Yeah. Keep reading down that Wikipedia page. Does she have any records in French? Please say yes. I don't think so. I didn't see any. Yeah, no, there's more Quebec, but it yeah. would still it'd be edgy. It would be edgy. Another thing that's really edgy about this song, at least, is the amount of cowbell that's involved. I'm not sure if you guys notice that whenever you listen to it. Yeah, it's problematic. Um, So much cowbell. (laughs) So much cowbell. And so much so that, like, in the music video, part of the music video is a live concert. And she is actually playing the cowbell as she's singing. Only aggressively during the intro (laughs) and I didn't watch the video for this one but I'm assuming if it's based on how the song is mixed as soon as she hits the first verse she chucks that cowbell (laughs) out into the crowd because it disappears it disappears and then someone I'm assuming runs back out with another cowbell yeah it's her version of guitar pick she's just whipping cowbells just throwing cowbells into the (laughs) which speaking of lawsuits well here wait let's listen to some of this cowbell Okay, so yeah, cowbell at the intro and, and, the, chorus. and the chorus, but not the verse. We want Terry's voice to shine during the verse. Uh, did you guys that go back a- and listen to the Warren Zevon or the Linda Ronstadt version? Yeah, Warren's version is definitely... Less cowbell? Less cowbell. Well, <laughs> anything's less cowbell. <laughs> Everything except the Will Ferrell sketch. That was... Is, this is the only thing that doesn't... Yeah, that was, was, a, has a, that was of- a discussion in the studio. Yeah. Having been in the position, I can tell you, they sat around and went, are you, sh- are you sure? <laughs> like, we can... No, turn it up. More cowbell. More. <laughs> More cowbell. We need it louder. They had stereo mics on that thing. They were, yeah, it's it's hot. Her version is just really interesting to me considering the first verse is basically, I put my head down on a train track to try to kill myself, but the train doesn't run through, so I couldn't do that. Yeah. But it's like, really, it doesn't sound sad. I see the whole time metaphor. she's singing. And maybe it is, but it's well, not really so, a fucking upbeat metaphor. Like, so if you go, if you go back <laughs> to be like, cowbell, cowbell, cowbell. So I tried to kill myself on the train tracks. I don't know if metaphors have to be upbeat. <laughs> no, but I'm saying the rest of the song is upbeat. Also, it says the train don't run through here no more, which you knew. Like, if, if, we're, if we're taking this literally... You were aware. It's not like, did she, would she lay there for hours? Well, she might have been, she might just seen the train tracks but not been from the area. Makes so sense. So I, I would like to point out Amtrak that or? Warren Zevon was the one who wrote this song. Right. And right. he writes a lot of weird shit. So like just in this song, in his version alone, talking about suicide on the train, talking about a little bit of S&M in a verse that yep. Linda decides to drop. Yep. 
And therefore, Terry also does not include. Yet, she keeps the wearing blend. <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> but, and obviously, I mean, it seems inane to even point it out, but everyone knows Warren had a long-running endorsement with wearing, you know, blenders and their mix, <laughs> stand mixers, a variety of kitchen appliances. Right. Uh, so he was required to bring at least one wearing product. In exactly. Yeah, he talks about the Hyatt house. He talks about the rainbow bar. So this was definitely well, some so product the, placement. The, rain, the rainbow bar, that verse is the one that is cut out mm-hmm. in Linda's and Terry's version. Right. But he was really getting that product placement in there. He's like, you know what will sell is putting in some product placement in a song about trying to kill myself and some S&M and... and Vitamix. Sorry, wearing. <laughs> Wear, not Vitamix. But, I mean, that's not the first time that he has included stuff in his lyrics. Like, Werewolves of London is where I always go whenever I think of Warren Zevon. And he talks about Trader Vic's. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's name-dropping shit all the time. Yeah. He's just trying to get that sponsorship. Much in the same way that we name-drop Bojangles on, like, almost every episode. We're just trying to get that sponsorship. Oh, is that a, is that a thing that yeah. is consistent? I, like, I know I've heard it pop up, but I didn't realize it was every one. It's, it's almost every one. Yeah. So we try not to be very blatant with it, but so it might just fade into you know, your okay. subconscious. Cool. And on the way home, you'll be like, oh... I needed I'll stop for some bojangles. Well, when I walked in, those uh, cinnamon, yeah, rolls. cinnamon rolls that were out here looked uh, mighty tasty. Those were right. not bojangles. <sighs> Don't tell them. Bojangles cinnamon biscuits. Shuck Have you had bojangles <laughs> cinnamon biscuits, either of y'all? Uh, no. no. I've had bowberry biscuits, yeah. of course, well, yes, which of are course. outstanding. The cinnamon biscuits are so much better. They're only available in Whoa. certain regions. I know further east they're available. One of my coworkers will bring them back from the beach regularly, which is great. I grew up on them when we would go to Fort Bragg. I would go with my grandparents, and they would stop at the Bojangles in Fayetteville, and they had cinnamon biscuits. And then when the one was built in Lewington, they did not have cinnamon biscuits. I was very confused because I got a cinnamon twist, and it was like, oh, I guess that's what they're called now, but it's a totally different thing. Cinnamon biscuits, they need to be brought to every Bojangles, much like the Cheddar Bows were for a while. Sound like you're working through some things, but... I am. It's all right. You know, I'm not going to go out to a train track and put my head down anytime soon. Metaphor- metaphorically, metaphorically or otherwise. Yeah. 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 Where, however you want to take that. Yeah. Yeah. So Terry's version is her covering Linda Ronstadt's version. She covered that in 1978 and dropped the Seda Mass. Mm-hmm. I can't even say that word. SM <laughs> verse because she felt like it wasn't something that she could sing. And there's also Jackson Brown and Bonnie Raitt covered this. For a Zevon hmm. tribute album, and that Jackson Brown actually produced. Did you listen to that version? I watched like a video where Jackson Brown was talking about how he used to tour and he would cover this song, but then I got bored and I didn't listen to it all the way Their through. Their version is not great, but okay. the original version, Lindsey Buckingham's on there. It's the backing vocals, vocals yeah. yeah. And Jackson Brown produces it, and I went down like a deep, deep Jackson Brown hole last night. Something that happens. It was great, though. It was really great. Oh, so apparently, I read this on Wikipedia because that's where we get all of our information from. Terry Clark said that she decided to cover this song because she heard (laughs) the Linda Ronstadt version while she was working out at the gym. And I'm like, her version is not really like gym workout music. So I'm assuming that Terry Clark was already hearing that cowbell in her head when she heard at the gym, and so that was like keeping her tempo. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So That's why they incorporated it so much in her version. Well, and yeah. cheers to cool. Terry for 
hearing the song, uh-huh. saying, I like it. This is a cool song. I'd be interested in covering this. You know she didn't hear all the, all lyrics, the lyrics when she was working out. <laughs> right. She just heard the chorus and was like, this was, is great. She was on the 1995 treadmill, which yes. if you remember, it sounded like, <laughs> so, it, you know, she, she couldn't really, she hear, really hear it. She thought it was a hip song. Dug yeah. it. Now put yourself in her shoes of sitting down and reading the lyrics and, like, and going, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Why did okay. I do I worry, worked out the arrangement of my head. <laughs> yeah, I've got like, it. Got the cow, I've got the cowbell. I've got the cowbell here. <laughs> right, what I've else am I going to do with this? i the way back from the gym. <laughs> but, you know, I guess sitting down and rewriting, figuring out what works. I'll keep this and then... We're Drop gonna, this, yeah. Yeah, this turned into, this is a dumpster fire. We can't use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked. Yeah, I think it worked out. Terry. Terry. I looked up some more info about Terry. She, like we talked about, she's from Canada. She moved to Nashville. Got a job playing at Tootsie's, which I don't know. Have you been to Tootsie's I've been before? to Tootsie's, yes. Yeah, it's right there across from the Ryman. Yep. And actually, they had like a 50th anniversary party for Tootsie's not too long ago, and it was a big show at the Ryman, and Terry Clark played there. Yeah, I like her song, Better Things Do, a whole lot. I'm assuming well, we're going to talk one, about that at some point. Yeah, we'll talk about that sometime, but that's the one where you sent us the screenshot of her ass. <laughs> Right? <laughs> or her lack thereof. Do we, do we need to talk yeah, about, like, wow. They, yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything vulgar. It was just an observation. So and and we, I think that it's relevant to our previous discussion about Yeah, so, book. and the thing is, we weren't even talking about this with Danny. This is a separate group text <laughs> for another we, episode we recorded where we talked about Dwight Yoakam's ass. And I said, you know who doesn't have one? Much in the way I don't. And it wasn't like I would just, for the record, watch the first, like, 12 seconds of Better Things to Do. And there's, and like, there's extreme close-up. Close yeah. But... That's why I said you were not being a perv. It I was mean, you kind of... think you were making a sociological observation on body <laughs> ideals in yes. varying decades. Yes. From musical genre to musical well, genre. Well, right. even if we just look at Canadian country singers... Mm-hmm. She and Shania Twain were very different in the ways they were portrayed in their music videos. Exactly. I will say that because they tried doing like the let's play up her features thing with Terry Clark too, mm-hmm. but she was not wearing the what were deemed at the time to be racy outfits. She was wearing Shania's, double denim. Which yeah. I you know, I guess is controversial for some people like Danny who are not in favor of double it's denim. A, it's about color. It's about <laughs> says the guy wearing literally all black all right black. now. <laughs> I didn't say they are, they, are, <laughs> they are different shades of black. You have the that, black jeans that are like very, very black. You have this that is almost a charcoal t shirt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think they probably had to sit down probably any time and, and think more about what they were putting Terry or Shania in yeah. versus Dwight, where they brought him out. Dwight, they, they, uh, Dwight brought, dressed right himself, I'm sure. Absolutely. He directed that he shit. buttered he, himself up and slid, slid on. Slid in those leather <laughs> pants. Woo! Paint him on. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but I mean, Terry Clark, her first album came out in August 95. Shania Twain's second album her first album didn't really do much the woman and me came out early 95 so by the time this video and even better things do came out you know shania twain was the shania twain we know as see i was going to disagree because like if you look at shania twain's early music video what's the one that we talked about where she's in double denim and she's in a barn with horses and stuff and it has a very similar look to the terry clark stuff with both of them but she's got her midriff showing that's the controversial part. You're saying it's a question of conservative oh, country yeah. versus... Was it still in the 90s when Shania went pop? 
Yeah, yeah, so that yeah, was like yeah. late nineties, like the man well, I feel like a woman. Right. And, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, even did, the denim was gone, and it yeah. was like it was leather. And, well, yeah, there was de- like I remember there was some hooded thing. Yes, like there with was like the a hooded, cheetah, yeah, the cheetah, cheetah hooded print, print, yeah, thing. Yeah, it was uh, whose bed have you just been under? That was the first kind of video of that era, um, I guess. Where and she and that was showing in that one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, not I the whole just, time, but it flashed, so, you know. I was just remembering the jeans and thinking about how both she and Terry, in in both of the videos that we've talked about for Terry, um, it's very much like portraying themselves as country girls in denim and cowboy boots and on a farm and wearing a cowboy hat. Farm adjacent. Yeah, farm adjacent. Horse adjacent. Yeah, I mean, reading her book, she talked about even her first video from that self-titled album was controversial because she did it at Miami Beach. And so some of the time she was showing some abdomen and that was <laughs> that was controversial, even though I don't know what you're expecting at the beach. I mean, again, it's not like anything over the top racy, yeah. especially now. But, uh, yeah, especially, but I mean, uh, 90s you know, in country. Right, you can't ruffle feathers. I mean, again, we talked about the album thing. Like, you're going to keep putting out albums. Joe Diffie's putting out an album this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're still doing the album thing. You're still kind of following the rules of country, mm-hmm. sort of. And if you're ruffling feathers, you're probably going to be pushed a little bit to the pop side of things. And some people are not going to like well. you for that. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's just how close to pop are you willing to, to roll. Yeah. And country, I, I mean, I'd say at least it seems like more than a lot of genres has those folks that drift to, the, drift to the top and then take a step okay. over into the pop area. Yeah, and then a lot of times once that happens, it's kind of like, well, now you're pop. So good luck coming back. They keep most of their country fans, though, don't they? Or I do think, people drop think, off of that? I think it depends. Like, so, you know, going back to the Taylor Swift conversation, I think that she has lost some of the country fans. Original. Like, I have original heard people say, fans. like, oh, I liked when she was, like, a back country singer. Country. Yeah, so I think it depends on, like, how far you go. So, like, I feel like Taylor Swift completely left her country mm-hmm. roots and has nothing really tying her back. Whereas I think that Shania always did kind of keep a foot back in the country side. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously like a moving target where they have more leeway now. And they, like, I was listening to Johnny Paychecks, She's All I Got. And I was reading some stuff about the background and the writing and all that. And it was referred to as like a country pop song. And to me, listening to it 40 years after he put it out, something like that, it doesn't sound, it sounds like, oh, this is country. I mean, it's not like yeah. Hank Williams, but it's like... It's a honky-tonk. Right, right. Yeah. But it's like, oh, this is... Still country. If someone put this on, yes, I would say country, not like country pop or... It's got a pedal steel on it? Then it's country. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, back then in the 70s, then I guess it was received pop. as more pop. I don't know how Does much it... Does it have like an electric guitar? Is that what makes it? Yeah, it's got an electric guitar. Yeah. I mean, it was number two on the country charts and 91 on the Hot 100, so it's not like it crossover in a huge way and it already been on the hot 100 when Freddie north did before that but that was more like r&b yeah uh, it's just interesting to me like you can push the envelope some but only so much that the country machine is willing to tolerate and then it's kind of all right you've gone too far the fans will let you know right the fans will or the you know going back to the shania like when i was reading the shania book like the radio people that you know mm-hmm. then they'll say like this is you know, now that's less of a big deal because, like we were talking it's about, you extreme. just just pull up on your phone. Who cares what the radio yeah. people say? But there's still those people that almost kind of gatekeep, gatekeep a little bit if they're too pop. And yeah. 
hard life for a country. Even even though, even though once you're in the country world, for some of them, it seems like you can do whatever the hell you want. And like Florida Georgia Line, like oh, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't say they're really living the country music stereotypes too much of their music, but like they're in that world and they've been given a lot of leeway. Because they're white men. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. I mean, who have we been talking about having trouble transitioning? Shania Taylor Swift. I mean, so, but, but you look at, like, Garth Brooks. He probably transitioned to pop just as much as Shania Twain did. Yeah. But there has never been any questioning whether he's a country musician mm-hmm. or yeah. not. Yeah. yeah, Alan Jackson. Yeah. People that were, they just rolled right over to pop radio. Exactly. And obviously the quality of their songs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you bashing Alan Jackson? I think Alan Jackson is a fine musician. (laughs) I enjoy his playing. (laughs) I will say we won't ever really be able to talk about this on the podcast because it's a modern country song, but there is an Alan Jackson song, If French Fries Were Fat Free, which is just a great piece of poetic lyricism. It's a tweet. (laughs) <laughs> it goes back like right the that, that, well, it's, it's a tweet um, yeah. I feel like that's a pretty good description of country music just in general nowadays it's a string of tweets a little thought well he does have the follow up to that I had to pull the lyrics to make sure I didn't misquote it because I don't want to get this wrong you know the more I think about you the more sense it makes because grease and love both cause heartache wow yeah maybe two tweets maybe a thread yeah. I don't know. That sounds like it's less than 240 characters. Or something from the American Heart Association. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a public service announcement. Yeah, did he get any money from those folks? I, I hope so. Alan Jackson. Here to talk about the angina society. Oh. Well, I don't have anything else to say about Terry, and we have gone real far off of that. I don't either. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks for picking some cool songs. That was good times. Do you have anything coming up that people should check out? Yeah, Jack the Radio is uh, working on recording new songs. Uh, We've got uh, members of the band kind of spread out throughout various other projects. And then Um, New Reveille is playing Friday, August 9th at Central Park in Durham. Yep. Which is a free show. It'll be uh, a full band show. There's uh, New Reveille pops up. Playing a lot of shows with the uh, the core acoustic unplugged crew, and then uh, when we have the opportunity, we bring out the full band and add in bass and drums and occasionally pedal steel. Mr. Alan Love. Would you like to mention who did the recorded uh, versions oh, that you were replacing yeah, on bass? Because so you're really not. So the this new, is the podcast where you talk about that. That's true. The new Reveille record was recorded uh, in Nashville out at Ocean Way and Blackbird Studios with a whole set of Nashville studio heavy hitters. And the bassist on the record was Mr. Mark Hill, who played with Reba McIntyre. I guess he's Reba's. That's kind of one of his core things, Reba McIntyre's bassist. But he's played with Keith Urban and on and on and on. So yeah, he's obviously doing other things. So I got, I got to learn his bass parts and play so them. get to try to play, replace Reba's play them. bass player exactly as he played them and then when people come up after the show and say you know those bass parts are outstanding I get to say thank you (laughs) they are I learned them myself they are quite good Uh, I don't have to say anything beyond that but yeah outstanding the Nashville crew is as good as it gets I can't wait till you have Rebound since we're so well connected yeah yeah we'll just uh, I'll have George call Mark and Mark can call Reba and then uh, I assume she'll be here next week. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we've talked about this before, like the six degrees from Kevin Bacon. I think that we should just like every time try to do six degrees from Reba. I was going to suggest 
Kevin Bacon. I mean, you can get the Bacon Brothers on, no comment. Well, and they actually are going to be playing at the Carolina Theater. Are they really? Sometime soon as well. Well, you can be reunited because you were possibly in that yeah. whatever show that was yeah. as a photo. The you can He can see the 3D version of Rachel and be blown away. I'm sure he remembers I'm, I'm, it. I'm one degree from Kevin Bacon. In a way, aren't we all? You're right. If, if you've seen <laughs> Trimmers, then yes. <laughs> well, oh, hey, Rebo and Kevin Bacon right there. there. Like, That's true. That's why that got brought up. There we intended go. that. Hey, Grilled worms. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today, Yeah, Danny. thanks for inviting me over. This was good times. Yeah, and thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, Mom. You can say bye to your mom, too, if you want. This should have been a good fight To every way box is going Blow the blow some may right Cause I just want punch That was all she wrote She's burning out right Like a fireworks show On the 4th of July Hell it just might Give you a call um, hey BJ, it's me and Rachel and Danny. Hey man. <laughs> We're just recording some neon boots and listening to some Dwight Yoakam and see that you're listening to Good Fight on Spotify. If you need help on the lyrics, <laughs> the three of us, you can phone a friend. We've been fans for a while. Yeah, yeah, we can type them up for you, send them in. Yeah, yeah, you know. Whatever you need, we're here for you. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> Bye buddy. <laughs> What'd you say? I thought Danny was gonna sing. Oh uh, no, no. Go ahead. No, 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 it's good. Yeah, you know, just remember it. You know, it should have been a good fight. That's how it starts. And then... Two heavyweight boxers going blow right. for blow. Yeah, you got it. Something ain't yeah. right. And then... Yeah, I would You put, can do it, BJ. We believe in you. Put it somewhere in the middle of the set tonight. Yeah. <laughs> also, we're 100% sober, which it definitely doesn't sound like. When you listen to this, remember, Rachel has... A, I'm pregnant. She's pregnant. Dan's drinking a topo, and I have had like eight cups of coffee. So, bye. Bye, love Later. you. Later. <laughs>